Yeah. 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 Booming out in Sabonet like Lou Will. Six men like Lou Will. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the Six Man Podcast, solely focused on the National Basketball Association. With yours truly, Alex Moskowitz from the Emerald Sports Section. And. Unfortunately, Aaron Pearlstein from Fansided is out due to illness, so I will be embarking on this journey alone. Okay, so this podcast will be broadcast on all platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So, let's get right into Game 5 for Monday uh, with some takeaways. So, one takeaway from uh, Game 5 is that if Kevin Durant is healthy, the Warriors are undoubtedly the best team in the NBA. Uh, they were up 39-34 when he... When he uh, Left the game with his ruptured Achilles. Uh, they were on pace for 130 points scored. Uh, he really opened up the space for Curry and Thompson. He also um, he didn't allow the Raptors to completely ignore everybody but Curry and Thompson because the Warriors really, rack, uh, really lacked the shooting and scoring uh, without Durant. So he also, you know, his impact was uh, evident on both ends. You know, he scored 11 points in 11 minutes, pretty good ratio, had a block on Pascal Siakam. Really, Pascal Siakam uh, has come up against limited resistance uh, with, the, with the absence of Kevin Durant, and he was effective in guarding him at the beginning. I also had a couple of rebounds. Uh, he, it was clear that they were able to go back to their, uh, what's considered, what's called the death lineup, where they basically play small with Kevin Durant at the center. And given his height at 6'11", his length, his rebounding ability, they're able to not miss a beat on defense, actually play better on defense because of their speed and uh, the fact they can switch everything, while also uh, maintaining extreme fluidity and um, and three-point shooting ability on offense. So, um, so he showed that the Warriors, if he was healthy, they would be coasting to their third straight final and people would consider their team up there with the Bulls teams from the 90s with their two, uh, two three-peats from 90, 1991 to 1993 and 1996 to 1998 and the Lakers shortly thereafter with Kobe and Shaq uh, from 2000-2002. They would be in that echelon of greatest teams of all time. Uh, now, given that they most likely, st- still most likely will lose considering... Durant isn't there, and the Raptors have really dominated the series without Durant. Uh, they most likely will be considered in the echelon of the the Heat with LeBron and Wade and the Bad Boy Pistons. Uh, given that they won two straight titles, they won three in uh, in four years. They they probably will, you know, if they lose, it'll be three and five. But it's still an incredible accomplishment, and uh, I take nothing away from their team. It's an incredible team, but just not up there with the uh, with Jordan's Bulls. Uh, especially considering they they most likely won't win this championship. Okay, uh, you know, the Kevin Durant injury, rupturing his Achilles, will have a huge ripple effect on the entire rest of the NBA. Uh, multiple teams, including my New York Knicks, positioned themselves heavily to sign Durant, and, um, and now it looks like he won't be able to play. Uh, he'll, he'll be rehabbing the entirety of next year. And after next year... Uh, assuming he comes back the next year, he's 
going to be entering his age 32 season. Uh, he's encountered many different injuries uh, throughout his career. Um, you know, earlier this playoffs, he had a calf injury. Um, back in Oklahoma City, he had a major foot injury that limited him 2014 to only 27 games. Even even with Golden State before this year, you know, this year he played 78 games, but before this year, 68 games in 2017, 62 games in 2016. So there have been durability questions before. Now with this huge Achilles injury, uh, Kobe didn't really recover ever since then, didn't have that that bounce, that step um, that's made Kevin Durant so lethal. Um, really, who knows if he'll be the same player, and will teams be, be willing to, considering he most likely will opt out and look for a huge deal, will they be able to stomach paying $40 million to a guy who won't play? So, huge ripple effects. He actually may opt into his player option of $31 million this year, then work out for teams, or hopefully get back onto the court maybe at the end of next season, doubt it, but be able to work out for teams in the summer, show he still has that explosion. He still has the ability to be the Kevin Durant that led the league in scoring, has won two straight finals MVP, MVP is, has won an MVP before, show that he can still be that player and uh, command a super max deal, five years, $250, $221 million. You know, who knows if that will happen, but but yeah, major implications for Kevin Durant himself, his contract length, the Warriors, whether he'll opt in or not, uh, the Knicks, given that it could force them to look at second-tier free agents like Tobias Harris, uh, offer him a max deal, even though he's not he's, he's a very good player, don't get me wrong, but he's definitely not worth a max deal considering he's never made an all-star team. But um, but yeah, the Knicks are desperate, so they may... Um, and they also have you know James Dolan as their owner, so they may screw up and uh, offer second-tier free agents, big max deals. Um, also, it may uh, increase their urgency to obtain the services of Anthony Davis through trade, even though uh, the report has been that Anthony Davis will sign with either the Lakers or the Knicks in free agency. So I don't know why the Knicks would do this and get desperate and mortgage their entire future. That makes no sense. To, makes no sense to me. But um, but they may do that given that uh, it seems like Kyrie Irving, their big main target, will go to the Nets, and Durant may opt in to his contract, um, or the Knicks may be forced to pay him forty million dollars to sit on the bench and rehab his his Achilles. So huge implications for the entire rest of the NBA. Um, he's really a joy to watch. Uh, he's incredibly skilled. Really, we've never seen a player like him. Um, you know, he called Kristaps Porzingis a unicorn, but but really, he was the first unicorn. You know, six eleven guy who can move and dribble like a guard, while also being able to shoot at a thirty eight percent clip. Um, yeah, and also a high volume. It's not just you know attempting three threes per game. You know, this past season, he he attempted um, he attempted uh, nearly six threes per game. So he's shooting at a high volume, making, uh, you know, he has a career three-point percentage of 38%, 88% from free throw line. So really he's the, he's the real unicorn within this NBA, and it's, uh, it's a shame not to be able to see him play next year. Uh, so the Warriors without Durant, they proved, they proved kind of in Game 5 that they 
live and die by the three-pointer just because they don't have that inside presence that uh, that Durant is able to create um, through you know his incredible three-point shooting, opening up driving lanes for Curry and Thompson, and also the fact that he's 6'11 and can go get a bucket basically whenever he wants. Uh, so they attempted 42 threes, they made 20, and they only won by one point over the Raptors. So if they can keep shooting it at that clip, you know, Curry can uh, shoot uh, f- or make five threes. Uh, Thompson can not, Thompson in game five knock down seven out of t- uh, 13 threes. So if they can continue to shoot at that uh, uh, with that marksmanship, then they have a chance in the series. But, you know, I don't see them shooting at that great of a level. Their three-point percentage for the regular season was 38%. So it should, it should probably go down closer to that. And given how close the, the win was against the Raptors in Game 5, I don't see them winning this Game 6. Um, okay. Also, Serge Ibaka, uh, you know, he was the starter for the Raptors at center before they got Marcus Hull in a, uh, in a deadline, day dra- uh, de- deadline day trade. Um He's, his role has been diminished a little bit, but I think he needs to see more playing zone. He had 15 points in 16 minutes in this game. Previous game, 20 points in 23 minutes. Um, the And that's just his offensive impact. You know, he provides more on the defensive end than Marcus Hull does too. You know, he's more mobile on defense. He had a block and steal in this game. Game three, six blocks. Six huge blocks too. Like, really contesting everything at the rim, making it extremely difficult for the Warriors to get um, to find success at the rim. So I think, obviously, Marcus Sol still has a role to play. You know, he had 17 points, uh, was efficient from three, two for three, still grabbed eight rebounds, but uh, it, it, it's evident by his five fouls that he, he doesn't have the foot speed that Serge Ibaka does and really can't stay with the perimeter-oriented Warriors uh, like Ibaka can. Uh, given that Ibaka was the one guarding Durant when he made his move and uh, ruptured his Achilles. So uh, so I think he needs to get more playing time. I'd, I'd like to see it around uh, split minutes, if not slightly more to Ibaka, just because of the fit in the series. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that's an important takeaway from Game 5. Also, the free throw shooting for the Raptors was uncharacteristically poor by their standards. You know, they only shot 78%. Missed six free throws more than their past three games combined. Uh, in the previous two games, they were 20 of 21 from the line and 23 of 24 from the line. So uh, that ultimately made the diff- made the difference in a one-point game. Uh, I expect them to, especially Kawhi Leonard, he missed two free throws with six of eight from the line. So I expect him to get back to around 90% uh, from the free throw line. And I think that will uh, benefit the Raptors. Okay, so uh, now... We're entering our favorite segment, uh, True or False, NBA Finals Edition. Okay, so given that Anthony Davis is entering the final year of his contract, and he has recently expressed his desire to leave, and he will not be re-signing with the Pelicans in free agency next year, uh, the Pelicans have recently put him on the trading block. So their asking price is two first-round picks, if not more, whatever they can extract, and other young assets. Uh, it's reported that they're acquiring Kyle Kuzma in any deal with the Lakers. So high quality young assets who 
um, who can make a difference and possibly make an all-star team in the future. So the question is for the Pelicans, is he worth that that much? And for the rest of the league, is he worth that much? And the answer is for the Pelicans, uh, at least from a value perspective, he is worth that much. You know, third best uh, player efficiency rating in the NBA ahead of guys like LeBron, Kevin Durant, and Kawhi Leonard, uh, considered the three best players in the entire NBA. And he was ahead of them in terms of player efficiency rating. Really, he doesn't get the same notoriety as those guys just because uh, his team's his team isn't good and uh, he's in a very small market. New Orleans uh, is one of the least valuable franchises in the entire NBA. So, um, so he is worth a considerable amount given how incredible of a player he is. Um, but, you know, his durability does concern me. Um, you know, this past season he only played 56 games. And, um, and he's... You know, the, the previous two seasons before that, he played 75 games apiece. But before that, he hasn't, uh, he didn't eclipse the 70 game mark in terms of games played. Um, so that's a concern to me. Uh, but, you know, when he's on the floor, he's incredible on both ends, can shoot the three, can move. He's a, he's a quasi Kevin Durant type of player just based on his impact on both ends of the floor. So, um, so I think Anthony Davis is um, is worth that much to the Pelicans, but for the rest of the league, you know, is he worth that much? I doubt it, really. You know, no. So, for the perspective of the Pelicans, he's worth that much, but given that he's already requested a trade, you know, the Pelicans really lack the leverage that they previously had if he. If he hadn't requested a trade, just because, uh, especially for the Knicks and the Lakers, uh, they both the reports have been known that, or have been put out that, those are the two places that he will actually resign. So, the Lakers and the Knicks are able to kind of hold out in order to, um, in order to, get the best deal possible. If not, just wait for free agency if the Pelicans don't budge on their extremely high demands. So, um, so for the Lakers and Knicks, I'd say false. He's not worth two two first round picks and other young asses. Okay, on the final possession, Kawhi Leonard should have taken the final shot. Um, I'd say false. Ultimately, you know, everybody says that the best player should <clears throat> take the final shot. It should be on him whether his team wins or loses, but. In my opinion, the best player should make the best play for his team, and that would put his team in the best or in the best position to win. And Kawhi Leonard giving that ball up and getting Kyle Lowry a shot in the corner was higher percentage than him taking a contested shot while double while double teamed, most likely having to fade away near the three point arc. Um, in my opinion, the blame should not fall on Kawhi Leonard, but instead it should fall on Nick Nurse. First of all, when with the Raptors up uh, 103 to 97 with three minutes left in the game, Nick Nurse and Kawhi Leonard was really getting hot. You know, he had he had made a three. He'd made um, he'd scored the last ten points for the Raptors. Really, he he'd ignited the building and just got 
uh, it seemed like it was his time and, you know, the Warriors had no answer for him. They really had nothing to stop him. But, you know, mysteriously, for some reason, Nick Nurse called a timeout. And the Warriors were reeling, especially on the road. And the Warriors only had one timeout left, so Kerr was not going to burn a timeout there. And for some reason, Nick Nurse slowed the game down and basically allowed the the Warriors to set up a play out of the timeout. And they, on the ensuing possession, they not, Clay Thompson knocked down a three off, an, uh, off a great screen. Uh, you got an open shot. And the Raptors, out of that timeout, they... They seemed a little bit rattled. They lost their momentum. They lost their mojo. Uh, so I think the blame, instead of putting on Kawhi Leonard, should be put on Nick Nurse for the timeout there and also not taking a timeout uh, before the final possession because the Raptor spacing on that play was very poor and it seemed like they really didn't know what to do when Kawhi Leonard got doubled. They figured that Kawhi Leonard would be playing single coverage and... And that's it. But, you know, Marcus Gasol's man went to double him and, or double uh, Kawhi Leonard. And instead of flashing, Marcus Gasol's man, or Marcus Gasol just plopped himself on the left box and stood there instead of flashing towards the ball, which is what you're taught as a little kid. You're supposed to come towards the ball, make yourself available for the double team, get in the heart, turn and face, and look for Kyle Larry in the corner. And instead of doing that, he stayed on the block, and he ultimately allowed Draymond Green to play both he and Kyle Lowry in the corner and get a hand on that last shot uh, and block it. So I think the blame goes on Nick Nurse. Uh, it was clear they, they were, that they were discombobulated in the last possession, and if he had called a timeout, set up a good play, I think uh, the last possession could have been different. Okay, next true or false. If Kevin Durant declines his player option given the injury that he sustained, the Warriors should not look to re-sign him. Now, for this true or false, in my opinion, there's two sides to this. So from a moral perspective, it's false. Given that he he put himself out there, uh, even though he wasn't 100%, even though he could have risked a serious injury as he, as he um, you know, he experienced that. He got the... It ultimately happened. Uh, he risked that for his team, for his brothers, for his entire organization. Uh, even though he really didn't have to, given that he was Finals MVP, he was slated for free agency, slated to make um, make a a ton, make a shit ton. So, um, so you know, from a moral moral perspective, you, you saw after the game, their GM uh, Bob Myers was distraught. From a moral perspective. They, you know, it's false. The Warriors should re-sign him, given all that he's given for this organization and how great of a teammate he's shown to be. And, you know, he will come back and still be, uh, hopefully, you know, we never know, but he'll still be productive for them after he gets back. But the Warriors' championship window is closing. So from a business perspective, a basketball perspective, they really, you know, Curry is getting to age 31. Draymond is in the back end, back end of his prime. They've played a ton of basketball together over the past few years, given that they've been to five straight finals. And they could really use some a, a revamp of their rotation. You know, They really lack those young pieces in their rotation. 
uh, that could provide a huge impact and ultimately allow that championship window continue or to continue uh, next season um, and beyond. So they have $40 million already locked up in Curry. They have $19 million locked up in Draymond Green. And Clay Thompson is eligible for a max extension. So you figure he'll get around 35 to $40 million. So that's already $100 million allocated for three players. So you add Durant to that mix. They're able to resign him. They're able to go over the cap to resign their own players. But you add Durant to that mix, where do they get their bench from? Like where, like where is their depth coming from given that Durant isn't going to be on the floor next year? He won't be able to contribute. So is it intelligent from a basketball perspective to instead of investing that money in Durant for next year, letting him walk and saying, we have a limited championship window. We're going to spend however much money we have under the cap because the cap is set to be at 110 to $115 million. We're going to invest that money in guys who can actually help us next year and ultimately provide depth and shooting, which has proved to be fleeting um, in these finals. Um, we're going to invest that money for guys who can actually score the ball and contribute next to Curry and Thompson. So from a basketball perspective, in my opinion, even though Durant, you know, it would be it would be preposterous to say this before this injury because Kevin Durant is one of the three best basketball players on this entire planet, if not the best. But given his injury and previous injury or previous star players have gotten this injury and it's been extremely hard to come back, especially given his age and the fact that you know, he won't be out there. He'll have a long, um, difficult rehab process. Um, it's, it's amazing to say this, but the Warriors should not look to resign him if he declines his player option. Um, just because their, win- their windows, their championship window is very small. And, um, and in order for Curry and Thompson to get one more run at the championship... They're going to need to invest in other areas. And it's shown in these uh, in these finals. Okay, last one. The most important. The Warriors will force a Game 7 tonight. True or false? I'm going to have to say false. I think their reign has come to an end. Um, in the first four games, the Raptors thoroughly dominated the Warriors. Um, they won 13 out of 16 quarters. If not for the Warriors' second quarter, uh, or sorry, third quarter barrage of the Raptors in Game Two, this series would be over. But uh, they eked out a close game, Game Two win. Um, they battled after Kevin Durant's injury, and ultimately held on to winning Game Five. But I think this will be this will be it for the Warriors. I think you know they don't have the same scoring. Uh, without Durant, and it's been proven in these play in this uh, in these finals that uh, they just they just don't have what it, they just don't have the necessary pieces outside of Curry and Thompson to uh, to really stifle the uh, the Raptors. Uh, you know, Demarcus Cousins played great in Game Five. Can you expect the same in Game Six, especially at home? You know, his previous two games at home, he's had more turnovers than points. So, what can you expect of him? He had fourteen last game. Six rebounds, um, shot a high percentage from the field. You know, Draymond Green knocked down two threes. 
can you expect that out of him, given that he's really struggled from the three-point line uh, during the rest of these finals? And the Raptors have shown, you know, tip, like people have this pre preconceived notion that the role players of the Raptors play better at home. Uh, but really, that's been proven to be false, you know. Ibaka had 20 points in Game 4. Danny Green was dynamite from 3 in Game 3 after not being able to hit the, the broadside of a barn in game, was Games 1 and 2. And in this past Game 5 where he went 0 for 4 from 3. <coughs> Kyle Lowry had, a, had an incredible Game 3, knocking down 3s and providing 23 points. So, in my opinion, the Raptors uh, role players will be able to get it done. Kawhi Leonard will come out uh, after a poor shooting game in Game 5. 9 of 24, he will come out uh, and lead this team to their first championship ever and bring the bring the city of Toronto their first championship since 1993 with the Blue Jays. Okay, so that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we will return to you after Game 6, uh, whether there's a Game 7 or whether we're headed for the uh, the exciting NBA offseason. Uh, see you guys later. Thank you.